Welcome to the latest DE download on Two Alone Rebooted, where we tell the stories of BBC Design and Engineering. I'm Prue Stubbs, the BBC WeSTEM coordinator based in Salford. As part of my role, I spend a lot of time meeting colleagues from across the BBC to discuss ways in which we can make DE more open and accessible, especially to women considering STEM careers. I realised that my first question to most people was, what do you do? Because sometimes it's not exactly clear from people's job titles, especially if you don't have a technology background. And my next question was generally, and how did you get here? So for this programme, we thought it would be interesting to hear what happens when I try to ask Ashley Middleton Emma Pratt-Richens and Maya Goskowicz. Let's start with Ashley, a UX designer in children's who works on apps and games. I asked her how she came to work in the BBC. I went to college when I was like 16 and then I was like, I don't know what I want to do, I want to study art. So then I went and studied art in college and then I went in one week and they said, oh, we're going to do design with the medium of the body we were like what is this and it was basically like finger painting for a week and I was like it's really not what I want to do so I dropped out of college um, and got a job in game because I love games and I just wanted to work in the game industry so I was like oh I'll work on retail for a while and then about a year into that I thought I really want to go back and I want to learn some other stuff so I went and did a level three apprenticeship in software development I worked for an agency in Media City for like a year and a half doing my level three once I'd done my level three, I then was a junior developer. And then I started seeing the design team at the agency, like doing all this cool design stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, rather than coding it, I kind of want to see what goes into why they've done that colour, why have they certain done that certain thing. So I asked them, could I just help them on a few projects? And they said, yeah, that's cool. So then I ended up working under them as like a junior designer. And then I started doing a level four apprenticeship in Manchester. So I did at uh, Hyper Island, I did a level four apprenticeship there while I was working at my old job. And then about six months in at my old company, I went to a women in technology event here and then saw all the amazing stuff that was going on. And then Jane Morrison from UX was talking about UX and like how awesome all the design stuff is. And I thought, ah, I might as well like apply for a junior job or something. So I applied for a junior job while still doing my apprenticeship in Manchester. And I remember in my interview, I said, well, I'm doing an apprenticeship. Is that cool to still carry over here? And they were like, yeah, of course it is. So like when I started, I got a junior job, but then I was still doing an apprenticeship in Manchester. And then I went from junior and then I've been here like three years now and then went up to midway and now moved over to children's and that's like my little my little route. <laughs> but what I love about you is you started in the arts. Yeah, went into development, <laughs> went back into the arts <laughs> and now I'm working more like, so like rather than actual doing most of the design stuff myself, I'm like helping agencies, um, like directing what they're doing and stuff like that, which is really cool. So what made you apply to be at the BBC? Because I was already working in Media City and I was working at quite a small agency and there was like 50 of us, like at most. I used to see people coming in and out of the BBC with the lanyards and I was like, ah, oh, that'd be really cool to work in that building. And then I saw my boss mentioned to me because we'd seen some stuff on Twitter, I think it was, about um, a women in technology event. So I was like, oh, that'd be really cool to see like what the buildings are like and then what the people are like and stuff like that. So I went along to it, not thinking of it as like, I'm going to get a job out of it. 
and just went along. I was listening to people were saying. I remember just walking through the doors, like, imagine working here and walking through here like every day would be amazing because like we just worked in this poky little office in the corner of Media City. And then listening to everyone, I got speaking to some recruiters, and then they were saying, oh, these are all these vacancies. Like some teams are moving up from London. Like it'd be really cool when looking for designers. So I was like, oh, like I might as well. Like didn't even think anything of it. Sent through my CV, my portfolio, everything like that, and then got an interview like a couple of weeks later. But I think it was listening to people talking about all the stuff that went on here, like Jane Morrison. There were some developers that were talking as well. It was like just really cool. Like the scale of some of the projects was amazing. Before coming here, you can imagine like, oh, it's a big organisation. Go with all these teams. You got to do this. You got to do that. But then I think because there is so many people, if you do have an issue, there's like so many people you can go to to ask for help with it. So like if you've got too much work on, you can ask someone else in your team to try and help out and spread the workload a bit. If it's an issue with like a certain person, you can speak to your line manager about like best ways to approach it. I've not come across any problem that is too big that someone couldn't help you overcome it pretty quickly, which I think is really cool. Before I worked in children's, I worked in IPTV, so I did a lot of stuff on smart TV apps. And for the Rio Olympic Games, we did the BBC Sport TV app. Like We completely redid it, we redesigned it, we did all the testing, we did this whole new live experience. So then, because we knew what day it obviously had to go out for the Olympics, we'd done so much work up to it and all this stuff. And then literally just one day, we just had to like press the button and send it live. And then watching all the stats and watching all the actual Olympic data go into the stuff that we'd done was like amazing. And it was just like every day, just going onto the stats to see like all these millions of people that was using this thing that um, we'd been working on for like a year. That was definitely like the highlight. <laughs> um, so what piece of advice would you give yourself? I think, Something that I struggle with is that if someone mentions something to me, like speaking at a conference or doing a talk or something like that, I'd immediately panic and just think, I don't want to do it at all because I was quite scared of doing it. But then what I found is when I make myself do those things, they're the things that I'm most proud of in that when you really put yourself out there and like you're absolutely terrified and you stood there doing this presentation like shaking and people don't realise once you've done it, like it's such a proud moment because you're like, oh, I actually overcome that, I did that and you learn loads from it. So I'd probably, the advice I'd say is for me, even though something absolutely terrifies you and it scares you to death, still do it, get over that fear, and then the more you do it and the more you get better at it, the better you'll feel. Where do you see yourself in five years? It's a funny one because when I started out as like a software developer, as an apprentice, I never knew what I wanted to be. Like eventually because I kind of discovered coding and I was like oh this is what I want to do and then ended up thinking oh well design's quite cool and then I went into design and then I was like oh but I love all this theory and UX side of it and I think that's the thing that's kind of struck with me like I love looking at data looking at stats looking at the effect that the changes we've done has made so I feel like rather than fully doing visual stuff maybe I'll go into like the strategy or the data or analysis side of stuff eventually because um, that's always kind of piqued my interest. Whether that'll be in children's or another product, I'm not sure. But I think that's the kind of thing that I'm going to start aiming towards rather than pure graphics. Because you love the code. Yeah. <laughs> I love seeing the effects it has and then seeing how people use it and what change it made and it make any effect and what works best and, yeah, just learning stuff. See, I started in back-end stuff and was doing a lot of like database bits and bobs and then was doing like a lot of Java, Java Spring. And then because I'm more of a visual person, I naturally went into front-end. So 
the back end stuff now, I'm a bit like, ah, oh, I don't really want to touch it. Whereas like front end stuff, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, jQuery, amazing. <laughs> I love it. You are literally talking a different language. <laughs> and I love that. Okay, so what technology do you think will disrupt your job? One thing that keeps cropping up when I'm at work is voice. Like the more people I know in other products and the more stuff we're doing, uh, like especially in children's for accessibility reasons, like we've been doing a lot of voice work, but then that opens up a whole new level of like what language you're using and the psychology behind certain words and things like that. And that's something that because I used to be quite visual and quite codey, I never did any sort of copywriting, never did any sort of like, I wouldn't say I'm quite strong on English or language or anything like that. So that'll be super interesting to try and get my head round and try and learn the best ways we can do voice because it still feels like it's super early and all the amazing teams I know here that are working on it are trying really like cutting edge stuff. So like certain ways to speech people without it sounding patronising but then trying to make it helpful and then can you do games, can you book meeting rooms, like it's insane. <laughs> Playing games, just voice. One company apparently is doing voice recognition stuff for turning your lights on and off. Yeah, so I know someone that works here that's got that, but she was saying that if she's in the front room, it's all monitored in the kitchen, so she has to walk to the kitchen to turn her front room lights off, and she hates it, so she has to phone her boyfriend to then do it on his phone, because she's not got a phone with her, because she can do it on the phone as well, so she'll phone her boyfriend who's upstairs to then turn the lights out in the kitchen to then turn out the front room lights. <laughs> that's the kind of thing we need to get round <laughs> with voice stuff. <laughs> It's so early on. <laughs> Ashley Minton there, looking at a voice-enabled future. Now, who's next? Hi, my name's Emma Richens, and I am a senior accessibility specialist. What does that mean you actually do? <laughs> so in the BBC, it means I'm part of the UX and D department, user experience department in design and engineering. I support people from around the BBC uh, to make sure that in the work that they're doing that they always think about and remember uh, accessibility. So remember to not create any barriers to access for people, irrelevant of whether those people have temporary or permanent needs. I'm part of a little small team that is part of uh, the user experience and design team, but we work with teams from all over the BBC. Very cool. You are the people who bridge? Kind of. It's a bit of an umbrella team. So we, we're not with any team, but we work with people in all the different teams. What are you passionate about? So I did a little bit of coaching um, um, some years ago, and it turns out I'm kind of passionate about helping other people and just making a difference. I like to, at the end of my day, go to bed and feel that I did something constructive during my day um, and that maybe made a difference to somebody somewhere. If you could time travel, what advice would you give yourself? So I'm still really not terribly comfortable with things like networking and stuff, which surprised somebody I was talking to yesterday. But actually, I would tell my earlier self that coaching and networking and all those kind of things are, are really great and, and get used to them sooner. Um, and in particular, um, get outside of the BBC bubble and network outside of the BBC bubble as well, because there's so much to learn from other people out there. Because you have a coaching network for accessibility. Kind of. Kind of. We have a champions network, so, so we train and support um, a network of other people so that they can learn from us and in turn uh, help other people to learn what we mean by accessibility and what things they need to do. So you are influencing the influencers? Absolutely. Influencer Emma Pratt-Richens there 
And we'll finish with Maya Gozkawi, who also works in children apps and has come through the BBC's graduate scheme. I asked her what her job involves. Every day I code and work on children's apps. The current product is Playtime Island, which is aimed at toddlers. And uh, yeah, it's quite a fun job to do. I can't imagine what a day in the life of you coding that would be. My typical day looks like this. I come in the morning, I sort of catch up on things that happened the previous day. We have a thing called stand-up, so we all gather together and discuss things to do the given day. And then we go off our own way to work on a given feature, on a given new function in the program, like I know, a new button, for example, uh, either solo or with another person, which is called pair programming. Uh, we also have meetings during the day. It really depends on what's planned for the week. What made you apply for the BBC scheme? The reason I decided to apply for the BBC scheme was at the end of my university time, I was trying to figure out what I want to do. I already was holding the computer science degree and I wanted to do something practical with it. But I wasn't exactly ready to go straight into the industry. So I decided that going for a graduate scheme would be a perfect sort of transition point between still being a student and learning a lot, but already being in the industry and actually, you know, earning money and also contributing to actual industry. Since I joined the BBC in 2015, there definitely have been several highlights uh, of my job. I think one of them would be when I joined the children's department and in one of the days I had to take part in the user testing sessions, which basically included toddlers running around like crazy when I, all I wanted them to do is press a button. And that was definitely quite an entertaining day. What's been the low point? Uh, there weren't that many low points really in grad scheme. Uh, you sometimes get a bit stressed out because this is what programming is all about. You know, you get stuck, but then when you have this, wow, aha point, that's really satisfying. I think the low point for me was when I was one of the teams and the job was just ridiculously stressful to me because the product we were working on was very critical and if it failed for whatever reason, then all the other products would be sort of go down with it. So it was quite stressful for me. So what piece of advice would you give yourself at the start of this process? If I could go back in time and talk to myself from two years back, I would say chill, first of all. Uh, you are not there to know everything from the start. You are there to learn. People are aware of it. I had tremendous amount of advice and support from people around me. Uh, you know, I've been to sent to courses and things like that. People just encourage me to learn more, and they're absolutely okay with me not knowing start from not knowing things from the start. They understand that it takes a few months for me to really get a grip of the of the product. What technology do you think will disrupt your job in the future? Like emerging technologies, not, oh, look, this app is really cool and I'm just going to play this all day. If I was to think about things that might disrupt my job or at least make it a bit more challenging than this at the minute, I would say um, there are some new emerging technologies and languages that I need to learn from scratch. For example, Kotlin is now the new emerging language uh, for Android developers, so that's something I kind of have to learn because I've never done it before. Um, Swift is completely taking over uh, iOS development and that's something I need to train on as well. So there are loads of different things happening. Essentially, I'm both excited and dreading new conferences from Google and Apple every year because I'm just like, okay, that's great, but it means I've got to learn new things. But it's good because, you know, at least it pushes me to keep challenging myself and learning new things. And of course, that's your passion. Uh, yeah, I definitely love coding. The reason I got into coding in the first place is because I love gaming and uh, I thought that computer science is not that far from gaming, which is quite true because now that I know how to program, I can sometimes mess around with my own games, you know, create mini mods and things like that. Thanks, Marja. And good luck with the game modes. And thank you to Emma and Ashley for letting me point the microphone at them and asking them questions.
that's it for the DE download from Tuolo Rebooted. Stay tuned for our next one. And if you've got a story you'd like to tell, get in touch with me or 2LO Rebooted editor Bill Thompson. You can find 2LO Rebooted on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you've enjoyed this, please tell your friends. <laughs>